Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you want to use melatonin in your adult, fine. But remember, melatonin is a sleep regulator, not a sleep initiator. Okay, melatonin doesn't make you sleepy. Melatonin tells your brain it's time for bed. Those turn out to be two incredibly different systems in the brain. And that's the big thing that we have to keep people aware of. Most people take melatonin like they would a, a sleeping tablet. So they'll take it and then kind of turn out the light and hope for the best. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Hi, Glam Gelinos. It's Kirby. I'm literally sitting in my hotel room in Orlando, Florida at the wonderful Walt Disney World, uh, putting this intro together because I forgot to do it before I left for vacation. So today's a rewind episode and it's one of our favorite episodes. This is another one of the episodes that we often get told is how you guys found us. And we are so happy about that because it's one of our favorite episodes. It's with Dr. Bruce, the sleep doctor. And if you've been curious about maybe why you haven't been sleeping well, if you have poor sleeping habits, if you sleep too much, if you sleep too little, he's going to answer it all. He's going to talk about myths. Is eight hours really the ideal number of hours we need for sleep? Maybe or maybe not. What kind of sleeper are you? Are you a dolphin? Are you a bear? There's a variety of different animals you can be when it comes to your sleeping patterns. And he's going to talk about whether or not beauty sleep is a real thing. So enjoy this episode. If you love it, please go review it on Apple. Follow us on Spotify. And of course, you can find us on social media. We have a ton of amazing giveaways um, and opportunities through our social media channels. So if you are interested in stuff like that, go ahead and give us a follow and we'll talk to you on Friday. Okay, guys, we have an amazing guest. We're so excited. So Hum actually had an event a couple of months ago, or weeks ago, rather, Mm -hmm. and it was with a world-renowned sleep doctor, Dr. Bruce, and we... I've never been to an event that was more engaged than this. I was just telling Dr. Bruce this. He's here. I'm here. By the way. I'm here. (laughs) I'm in the background. We're teasing him, but he's here (laughs) with us. We're actually at Haston's, which is a luxurious mattress store here in LA. It is the mattress that Oprah owns. Yes. And it's where we saw Dr. Bruce for the first time. And let me tell you, when... When we heard about this event, you know, Hum was launching a new product at the time called Mighty Night. Um, We're like, okay, cool. Like everybody wants better sleep. Why not? So we come to this event and people were completely mesmerized by Dr. Bruce and everything he had to say. People were quiet. They weren't on their phones, which is actually pretty rare. Taking pictures of the PowerPoint presentations on their phone. Like, yes. Like it was like the best knowledge that they could keep on their phone. So and they then were, usually when you like open up questions to the audience, there you'll be like one or two, and people are like, "Get me the hell out of Dr. here!" Dr. Bruce had like twenty, and then they were like, "Okay, we have to like wrap this up because and then we people can't be were here in all line yeah. to talk to him." Right. So obviously, you know, we fell in love with him because he's so charismatic and he has a specialty that not a lot of people have in the entire world, but that everybody wants to know more about. Yeah. So thank you, Dr. Bruce, thank for you, being Dr. here. Thank you, Dr. Bruce. I'm super excited to be here. You girls are awesome. And I'm, <laughs> I'm having fun. And we're here in Hastings, which is also pretty luxurious and amazing. So I'm, I'm excited to be here and spread a little knowledge. And you own one of the Hastings beds as I well, do, right? I do, as a matter of fact. Absolutely. Okay, we, we love need, it. We need to get the best one. sleep of your life, apparently. So it's really quite fascinating because, to be very honest with you, like, I wasn't going to be convinced. Like these beds are expensive. Yep. And I was, I wasn't, I was like, come on, what's the data? Where, where can we go with this? And here's what I can tell you is for, uh, before I got the bed for the, probably the two or three months before I got the bed, I was waking up in the morning with low right back pain. Mm -hmm. Just was, wasn't an injury. Wasn't really sure what was going on. It was time for me to get a new bed anyway. And um, when I got the Hastings, literally in less than three weeks, my back pain was gone. Wow. And I really like I'm not just saying that like I wasn't expecting it at all. Right. And so that part was just it was really amazing to me. And now I'm 
I'm really uh, learning a lot more about the Hastings product, like how it works, what's so great about it, and all these kinds of different things. So I've been thrilled with the introduction to Hastings. And of course, Hum Nutrition was a great sponsor to have. They've done some really interesting stuff. I'm excited to talk about their product, Mighty Night, as well. Yeah, of course. I was going to ask you, just off of that, how often should you change your mattress for ideal sleep? Yeah, so your body actually tells you more than a period of time. Like originally, I used to want to create like a turkey timer for mattresses, yeah. right? Like, so remember, like for because Thanksgiving's yeah. coming up, right? Yeah. You stick that thing in when it pops. You know, the bird's done. You take yeah. it out. You're in good shape. Totally. I thought we should have that for mattresses, yes. or yeah. something like that. Unfortunately, that idea, while it sounds really interesting, is it's much hard. harder to actually pull off than it was. But I would argue that your bed—I mean, sorry, your body will tell you when it's time for a new bed. If you wake up stiff and sore, if you wake up with any level of pain for more than a week or two, or, two, or it's not injury-based, right? So you weren't going for a run and pulled something or something like that, your body's probably telling you it's time for a new bed. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, you should be investing in a good mattress just you spend, because like, you spend more time on life. it than like, yeah, with Arguably than any other piece of furniture in your house. Yeah. Right, and it also affects your posture, it mm -hmm. affects your blood flow, it affects your health. I would actually be willing to go on record as saying that buying a mattress is really, you're buying a piece of healthcare. Yeah. Right? Like this is what, I mean, this is probably the greatest influence on your sleep and your sleep influences literally every organ system, every disease state, everything you do, you do better with a good night's rest. Let's get our healthcare to cover our mattresses. Oh my God. That's, <laughs> that's a new wave of health, our health insurance. So I've got some patients who use their, um, what's that oh, spending the account? The FSA dollars. Yeah. You can use their FSA dollars on so them. If oh. you, well, as an example, if you have sleep apnea and you need one of those beds that will tilt up to help you with your CPAP machine, you can get your doctor to write for one of those, mm. depending upon the, uh, right. the thing, of it, course. it can actually work. Right. Wow. Okay. I'm going to give your proper intro because we, you, it's just, yes, it's I was going to say, very and, and by the way, like he, it's not just, you know, he's a sleep doctor. Like that's not just his tagline. He's yeah. an actual doctor. So yeah. Sarah, please and take it away. Very busy. So yeah. we're just like so excited to have him on here. Okay. <laughs> so Michael Bruce is a clinical psychologist, a diplomat of the American board of sleep medicine and a fellow of the American Academy of sleep medicine. He specializes in sleep disorders and is one of the only psychologists in the world with his credentials and distinction. Dr. Bruce has authored numerous books, tours around the world lecturing on sleep, has appeared on countless national networks and programs like CNN, Oprah, The View, and is also on the clinical advisory board of The Dr. Oz Show, where he also makes regular appearances. Dr. Bruce has a private practice in L.A. where he helps his clients figure out how to sleep better, which is his main mission in life. Okay, so Dr. Bruce, we want to start things off. This is a beauty-focused podcast. I get we it. also focus on wellness, but let's yeah. talk about beauty sleep, which is mm -hmm. something you touched on during the event. Sure. So is beauty sleep a real thing? And if so, how much sleep do you need to achieve restful, active beauty sleep? So first of all, beauty sleep is definitely a thing. Great. Right? So, And we would actually argue that it's act if you really narrow it down, it's stage three and stage four sleep. This is the period of sleep um, that is the physical restoration. This is a wake up and feel great sleep, right? Okay. And we all want to get plenty of that. It turns out that our bodies front load that. So that occurs mostly in the first third of the night. And again, it's really assigned to this stage of sleep in particular, stage three and stage four. Now you're probably saying, okay, well, what goes on during stage three and stage four that makes it so beautiful, right? Yeah. So it turns out that it is the time when the most growth hormone is emitted by your body. Now growth hormone for anybody out there who's ever learned anything up about beauty, growth hormone is like the holy grail for beauty, right? But the way I think about it is it's kind of like bringing your car into the body shop and you get the scratches and the dents and the dings kind of pulled out. That's what growth hormone does is it repair, true cellular repair is what goes on there. And that's really what we're looking for when we talk about beauty sleep. Even more to the point we know that during sleep, especially during stages three and four sleep, this is where hydration or rehydration can occur. Mm -hmm. Now, to be fair, sleep in and of itself is a dehydrating process process, right? So as we breathe, just the, just the humidity in our breath, we lose almost a liter of water, right? And when we become dehydrated, what happens is our wrinkles get more pronounced, yeah. right? And so any fine lines, anything that's going on in our face or our bodies gets worse and worse. So staying hydrated and well slept can be very, very important. Now, also to get even a little bit more technical, when you look at things like dark circles under your eyes, yeah. or puffy eyes or things like that, those are all influenced by sleep. So what's interesting is now 
also some people just based on their culture, they're going to have eyes that are a little bit more inset and it'll cause a shadow, which may, might make it look like it's dark. But other than that, blood can pool underneath your eye, especially when you're sleep deprived. And this turns out to be the most thin skin that you have. So when you have no sleep deprivation, when you're well slept, and we'll get to part two of the question in a second, yeah. then we start to see that the blood doesn't pool underneath the eye, and so those dark circles become less and less. From a puffiness standpoint, we know that inflammation occurs as well during sleep deprivation, and that kind of makes that happen. Now, also to be fair, there are some people who are just born with a little bit of cushiony fat that's below their eyes. That's actually protective in many ways. And so a lot of people say, oh gosh, I wish I could get rid of the bags under my eyes. Well, maybe if they're really, really big and really, really noticeable, but that's actually a protective layer so that if you get hit in the head, your eyeball doesn't go flying out and get torn or, or, or okay. messed up or things like that. Wow. So those are different things to think about. Also, our skin looks more vibrant the more well-slept we are because our circulation is better. When you're not sleeping well, your circulation slows. I mean, literally everything you do, you do better with good night's sleep. And so we also know, by the way, that rosacea, acne, all of the things that affect our skin are all worse the more mm -hmm. sleep deprived you are. So totally. now I'm going to answer the question of, well, how much sleep do I need? Like, how do I get this beauty sleep? Come on, Michael, tell us the truth, <laughs> right? So here's how that part works is eight hours is a myth. Which, when you told everybody yeah. this in the room... It was room, like an audible gasp. They were like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, everything we've learned our whole lives <laughs> yeah. has been a lie. It is a myth for sure. Why? Uh, well, so multiple reasons. So first of all, your genetics will actually tell you how much sleep you need. And that changes over the course of time. So as we know, young children, babies, toddlers, even adolescents have a different sleep need than we have when we're an adult. And that also changes when we turn into an older adult. So I'm 51 years old, and I'll start seeing that those changes in my sleep will start to occur over the course of time. Whereas with my 17-year-old son or my 16-year-old daughter, they, they love sleep. They want to get as much sleep. They don't like it at the right times, though. They like to go <laughs> stay up late and sleep late because, of course, they're teenagers, right? Yes. So again, sleep need is very different based on your age, based on your gender, uh, even based on where you are in your life. You know, one of the things that a lot of people don't take into account is menstrual cycle. Yeah. And so when you look at menstrual cycle, I've got some patients where we change their bedtimes based on where they are in their cycle. Sometimes wow. they're going to bed earlier. Sometimes they're going to bed later because a lot of women experience a lot of energy after their period and a lot of exhaustion before their period. And so we well, try to take sense. those types of things into account. So I don't want people to think about this static number of, oh my gosh, I've got to get eight hours. But what I do want people to think about is a normalized wake up time. What do I mean by that? Same time every day, including weekends. the weekends. Ah. I know that sucks. I know people are like, oh, Michael, why'd you say that? But here's the thing is it's not necessarily the amount of sleep that you get on the weekends, but it's the timing of your wake up. Because when you wake up, your eyes open and you get sunlight and sunlight turns off the melatonin faucet in your brain. That's really what we want to have happen when we wake up. The more consistently we do that, believe it or not, the less sleep time you actually need. I go to bed at midnight and I wake up at 6.15 every single day without an alarm. Wow. I'm the sleep doctor, yeah. for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I only sleep six hours and 15 minutes. How is this possible? I didn't start that way. I started going to bed around midnight, waking up around 7.30. And as I kept that really super consistent, the amount of time that my body required to feel rejuvenated started to lessen. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, so I, I kind of want to back up a little bit because sure. you talk about the state of like three and four sleep. Yes. For people that aren't aware, like what are you talking about when you talk Absolutely. about all of the different cycles? So what happens is, is we go from wake to what's called stage one, stage two, stage three, four, back to stage two, and then on into REM sleep. Mm. That counts as a cycle. Okay. All right. And the average cycle is roughly 90 minutes long. Now, the amount of each stage will vary over the course of the night. So in the beginning of the night, you have a lot more stage three, four. The end of the night, you have more REM. Now, when you get into what is a stage of sleep, it's all based on brain waveforms. So the way we classify sleep is by using something called EEG or electroencephalogram. So this is where you see electrodes that are put on somebody's head and they're reading their brain waves. We're looking for very specific brain waves and we categorize them in 30 second little units. And that tells us 
what stage of sleep they're in. Got it. So like, okay, I actually asked this question of you um, at the event event because I swear by this app called Sleepy Time App. And it's not an Mm -hmm. actual app. You have to like go to it on your browser on your phone Mm -hmm. and you can put in, okay, if I go to bed at this time, there are 15 times they can tell you this is the time you should wake up to feel most rested or I need to wake up this time. What time should I go to bed? There are different increments. I think they're Mm -hmm. like an hour and a half increments. 90 minute increments, which would make sense with the sleep cycles that we were just talking about. So that's why that that's where the algorithm, I believe, comes from. I don't know their particular tool set. Okay, that makes sense because I feel like sometimes, you know, I feel more naturally rested if I get like 25 minutes of sleep Absolutely. versus getting like an hour and a half nap. I wake up groggy and I feel like. So yeah. here's what's interesting about what you just said is so once you go past 25 minutes, you actually get into stage three, four sleep. That's tough to get out of because your body is so needing that physical restoration that it tries to ha- keep you there and hang on to it because it knows something has gone on. There's a reason that you're napping. You need to get some rest. And so I always recommend to people 25 minutes or less for a nap or 90 minutes or more. Mm. Anything in between sucks. Okay. If you're trying to wake up from that, you're just dragging it all day long. So sometimes more sleep isn't right. Better. It's just I actually, sleep. Yeah, I actually tell people as an example, it's better for you to sleep six hours than it is to, for you to sleep seven hours because when they wake up in the middle of seven hours, they're dragging ass ah. all day long. Okay. Okay. So that something sense. that we obviously just talked about that you talked about is that everyone, the amount of sleep we need varies from person to person. Correct. And you've created this quiz called Chrono Quiz. Yeah. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about that? So this takes it one step further. So it's not just about what is my sleep need, but when is my sleep need. So I, I developed this idea, and it's, it's not new. It's called chronotypes, and these have been around literally since the 70s. Um, but many people might not have heard the term, but they actually know the concept. So if you ever heard, heard of somebody being called an early bird or a night owl, those are chronotypes. So my uh, contribution to the literature is I added a fourth one. So we used to know about early bird and night owl, and then we had one in the middle that we called a hummingbird. Oh. Don't ask me why. I'm not sure why it was called a hummingbird. <laughs> kind of good for hum nutrition. Yeah, totally. But yeah. other that than way. that, I'm go. really not sure why it was called a hummingbird. <laughs> So I added a fourth category, which was an insomniac, because that's what I do is I work with people with insomnia, and I really try to focus in on performance, performance metrics, and performance sleep. And so a lot of those people were really suffering. So if you go to chronoquiz.com, you can learn what your sleep type is. Mm. Now, why on earth would this be important? It actually tells you when to go to sleep. So if you're an early bird, I can show you the exact time to go to bed so that you'll wake up literally with a ton of energy ready to go versus a night owl. If they tried to wake up at the same time, they would be dragging it. So I'm a night owl, right? I don't know. Are either one of you, what do you think? I think I'm a night owl. I'm an early bird. I know you're an early bird. I'm an early bird, but then also you wake up at six. That's pretty early. So it is pretty (laughs) early for somebody who is a self-proclaimed night owl, but I don't go to bed until midnight ever. Okay. I mean, ever. That's just kind of how I am. But here's where it gets interesting. So let's say that you're the early bird and Kirby, you're the night owl, right? So Sarah's early, Kirby's night. So here's what would happen if you two were in a relationship together, right? (laughs) We are. Yeah, basically, yeah. What are you talking about? So what would happen, right? So for example, when you guys want to have a discussion, let's say about something important, Sarah, you might be awake and ready to do that at 10 o'clock in the morning. But Kirby, you're like, dude, I can't speak. I can barely put two sentences together before two o'clock in the afternoon, yeah, right? Yeah. And so that's one of the things that's turned out so amazing about this book. Honestly, I thought it was a sleep book. It's not. It's a relationship book. It's a book about how to find peak performance times throughout your day for literally anything. I can tell people the perfect time of day to have sex, eat a cheeseburger, ask your boss for a raise, go to bed, do yoga, literally, you name it. I was going to say, so your book, which I'm just like diving into. It's called The Power of When. Yeah, it's The Power of When. And um, I'm going to make Patrick, my boyfriend, read it too, because I think he would... Isn't he, he a night owl it. too? He's a, we're both night yeah. owls. Like, so I that think works that's out part really, of the problem, really well. Though. But sometimes if you've got a night owl with an early bird, like when are you intimate? Yeah. Like there's mm, lots yeah. of different questions that come up for sure. Yeah. The, I, I think, think the, it should be part of match.com. Totally. Oh my gosh. Match. Hello. Get on it. Yeah. But like, that's the thing. Like with Patrick and I, we are both night owls to the point where we, when we, try to be better about going to bed early we just keep each other up like we could literally stay up all night if we needed to genetic like that's what people don't understand like if i took your 23 and me data it would show me that you're a night owl like it's that specific and people tell me all the time well what if i don't want to be a night owl what if i want to be an early bird how do i swing that 
you don't. It's just not an easy but thing is to there, do. I def, so Matt is an early bird and I... I am an early bird, but I used to be like in college a night owl and I would a little different in college because you're still, <laughs> well, you're still getting some of that adolescent okay. staying up okay. late, right? So maybe there's so that. So 16, 17, 18, when you're in college, also let's be fair, college is kind of an unusual environment. I mean, there's parties going on, you right. know, on Wednesday nights, you're you know, like type stimulated. of thing. Absolutely. So is there any, I feel like I sort of trained myself a little bit to just, I mean, I definitely can stay up later than Matt. Like Matt like falls asleep at 10 and then it's like, <laughs> all right, I'll see you tomorrow. But I can stay up a little bit later, but I feel like that's new for, I mean, new in the mm-hmm. last like 10 years, right. you know? And again, we change over time. That could have something to do with your medical situation. It could mm-hmm. have something to do with just your development. Also looking at your parents will also give you some insights as well, because remember it's genetic. You got to get it from somewhere. It's either coming from mom or dad or both. So you'll see over the course of time, if they change, you may fall into those lines as well. That's Interesting. True. So there was actually a person at the hum event who uh-huh. you were talking about, okay, like, you shouldn't be sleeping like for 11 hours or something Correct. like that. And this girl raised her hand and she's like, hi, so I sleep 12 hours a night. And everyone's like, what are you doing? And she's right. like, but like, I wake up feeling fully rested because you had been harping on, well, you probably don't feel fully rested if you're getting that much sleep. Correct. So if somebody wants to sleep, like I'll be honest right now, I, I am starting to sleep a little bit better, but I have been struggling with my sleep. We just got a new bed, okay. frame, mattress, the whole nine. So I feel right. like we're you know, we made that part really good. great. Good, good, good. But I feel like I still wake up several times in the middle of the night, which mm-hmm. then, you know, when I naturally wake up at like 730 in the morning, I'm still exhausted. So I'm like, oh, I want to go back to sleep. I'm I'm very, very tired. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like being a long, you mentioned being a long sleeper. And then sure. you also mentioned that when you wake up at like 730, Kirby, you should just get up. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So, okay. So there's lots of, so, so during the event, when the, when the young lady said that she slept, uh, I think it was 10 or 11 hours and she wakes up feeling refreshed. So that's a big red flag, right? So almost nobody should be sleeping that amount of time unless they have narcolepsy, mm-hmm. which was what I started talking with her about mm-hmm. depression, which can cause that as well, or poor quality sleep. Yes. In many cases, people report to me that they wake up multiple times throughout the night. And in order to just kludge together what they think might be eight hours, they might be in bed for 10, 11, 12 hours. Mm. So whenever somebody's like, dude, I sleep 10 hours and I'm great. I'm probably not so sure that that's great. And I'm going to start to dig in and try to understand like what's going on there. Because again, the more consistent you are with your sleep schedule and the higher quality sleep you get, actually the shorter your total sleep time, generally speaking. Now, when we talk about the the second part had to do with long sleepers. So there are some people that are genetically long sleepers. They are few and far between. They are pretty rare out there. Now, this girl may have been one of those people. We can actually figure that out pretty quickly. Oh, really? Okay. That's that's what I wanted to know because right now I'm like, okay, I'm definitely not a long sleeper. Like I've never <laughs> been like needing this much sleep you in my life. You don't want to be a long sleeper. Yeah. If, you're, if you're needing more sleep all of a sudden right now, so there's a lot of things that pop to my head. Okay. So number one is you said you got a new bed, so there might be some adjustment period that's going on there. Great. But also, could there be something in your environment that could be making your sleep worse? Your neighbors. So, well, my neighbors, yeah. So do you have <laughs> noisy neighbors? Do you have an animal in the bed? Are you drinking caffeine late? Are you having alcohol late? Like, There's a lot of different things that could be affecting the quality of your sleep. So one of the things I would have you do, so let's say we were working together, I would say track your sleep for a week. I would give you a, a, a sleep diary, just a uh, on a paper and you'd pencil in times you went to bed, times you woke up, multiple awakenings. And then we'd look for patterns and try to see if there were any particular patterns. Generally speaking, the reason most people wake up multiple times a night is either caffeine, alcohol, some type of environmental disturbance, or to be fair, their body just isn't ready to go to sleep because they're going to bed not based on their chronotype, which is what we were discussing earlier. Got it. I also was going to ask about blackout curtains and your thoughts on blackout uh-huh. curtains because I used to live in a very well-lit apartment with natural yep. light, but yep. we moved to a unit two years ago that is just very dark mm-hmm. all the time. We get like maybe an hour of natural sunlight oh, gosh. into our actual apartment. So I have a bunch of superficial light that I've lit the whole place with to yep. make it feel more warm and inviting and home me but it's different from like it's so hard for me I feel like to wake up since we've moved into this unit because I'm not getting 
the natural sunlight, like exactly. when the sun rises. With so the they earth. actually make alarm clocks that have sunrise features to them that will actually at a particular time slowly start to turn on a light and make it a little bit more uh, light. In my kids' rooms, I actually go in at night after they've gone to sleep and I open up their blinds. Oh, that's oh. smart. I'm not a big, big blackout curtains guy. And here's the only reason why. They work really, really well. Man, it's hard to wake up in the middle of a blackout right. curtain bedroom. Like, totally. Because it's, I mean, when it's so dark, you can't see your hand in front of your face. Dude, you're not waking up anytime soon. Totally. That's when these lights will, uh, you know, they, they come on like the sun, then they work quite well. Okay. That's um, great to know. I'm going to ask you about insomnia because you hadn't sure. touched on it and it's, I'm sure you deal with it all the time I do so it's not personal right insomnia is the most <laughs> thank god uh, yeah. people ask me all the time did you become a sleep doctor because you couldn't sleep no I don't have any real sleep problems it's just a very interesting, interesting. subject it is um, so it's the most common specific sleep disorder it is what do you believe is the like most common culprit of insomnia there's especially? no question 75% of insomnia is between your ears it's anxiety or depression that's it. Wow. Very rare is it something major outside of that, right? Now, could it be a medical situation like hyperthyroidism? Of course it could be. And anybody who's got insomnia out there should talk with their doctor to make sure there isn't something medically that's fueling this situation. But if there's nothing out there, right, and you're not taking a medication um, that's causing insomnia because many people don't even look on the side effects label of a lot of medications out there can cause either sleepiness or insomnia or both Yeah. in many instances. Wow. That's the types of things that I, people need to look for. But it's usually anxiety or depression-based. And I'll tell you how I know. It's because the number one complaint I hear is I can't turn off my brain at night. Yeah. Yep. Number one complaint that I hear from people. And that's a, that's a level of anxiety. That's a pre-sleep anxiety that we've got to teach people how to settle down. And there are many ways you can do that. Yeah. So I want to jump into melatonin. I yep. feel like that's like the most popular ingredient people look for when it they want is. a good night's sleep. However, when I take melatonin, it makes you drowsy. I like can't even wake up. I feel like I've been dr like truly drugged. Right. Yeah. So, so let's, let's talk melatonin yeah. for just a second. So first of all, melatonin is by prescription only in Europe. Many people don't know that. Whoa, wow. in Europe? In no Europe, way. You cannot just walk into the local drugstore and grab melatonin. It's not available. Okay. It's a hormone. Okay? It's not an herb. It's not a supplement. It's a hormone. So, so think about it like this. Could you walk down to the local Walgreens or CVS and buy testosterone or estrogen? No. <laughs> no. You couldn't. And there's a good reason that you can't, yeah. right? Because you can really mess with a lot of other hormones. You can walk in almost anywhere and pick up melatonin because it, the FDA doesn't classify it as a, as a hormone, oh, unfortunately. The damn but FDA, it, I but swear. it is. Now, here's where it gets even even more interesting: is 95% of the melatonin that's currently sold over the counter is sold in an overdosage format. That's okay? insane. It's super insane. Here's where it gets even weirder: is uh, in Europe, melatonin at high dosages is used as a contraceptive. What? Oh my God, yes. this is like making me ill. Right, it's a contraceptive. It's a birth control, right? What? And so here's what, and so what happens is I have a ton of parents who connect with me and they're like, my, my kid isn't sleeping, I'm gonna give him melatonin. Honestly, I can't think of anything worse for a young female developing body than the introduction of a contraceptive when it's not necessary. Uh, yeah. Right, so yeah. nobody under the age of 18 should be taking melatonin. Now there's one caveat. Okay. There is a group of children that it actually works very, very well in. And those are kids who are either autistic or on the on the spectrum. Okay. So Asperger's, that whole type of child, they actually do well on four to five milligrams of melatonin a night, which again is a very high dose. Yep. Now, if you want to use melatonin in your adult, fine. But remember, melatonin is a sleep regulator, not a sleep initiator. Okay. Melatonin doesn't make you sleepy. Melatonin tells your brain it's time for bed. Those turn out to be two incredibly different systems in the brain. And that's the big thing that we have to keep people aware of. Most people take melatonin like they would a, a sleeping tablet. So they'll take it and then kind of turn out the light and hope for the best. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. So melatonin has to go all the way down into your stomach, get eaten up, and then come back up to your brain to affect your circadian pacemaker. It takes almost 90 minutes. So when people turn to me and they're like, I didn't get any effect from melatonin. Well, of course you didn't because it's going to, even if it were to have an effect, you need 90 minutes to get there. Wow. Mm. So people aren't taking it at the right time. They're not taking it at the right dose and they're not taking it for the right reasons. Okay. Melatonin is a great um, substance to use for jet lag. Right, because remember, it changes your internal bedtime. So if you fly from Los Angeles to Paris, uh, which I think is like a 14-hour flight, mm -hmm. and I don't know, I think it's 
know how many time zones that is, probably seven or eight time zones, you can tweak your sleep using melatonin so that your brain thinks it's bedtime when you get there. Um, want to talk about your thoughts on CBD for sleep. Of course. So what do you think? Because we, I mean, Kirby and I get pitched CBD products all the time. I'm sure. Particularly, I mean, for beauty, but for sleep as well. Right. So it's a massive problem. Okay. To be clear, you'd need like almost 200 milligrams of CBD to have any major sleep effects. Okay. Okay. That's number one. Number two, I don't know of any product that gives you that much CBD that's out there. Mm -hmm. So now... To, be, to get a low reduction in inflammation, much lower number in terms of helping, right? And so CBD is great for something like inflammation, but when you look at something like sleep, CBD is probably not going to get you there. But what will is something called CBN. So most people have never heard about this, and I've written extensively about both CBD, CBN, and if you want to smoke weed for sleep, I've actually got a blog on that too. So if people <laughs> want to go to my, my website, thesleepdoctor.com, yes. you can look up anything that we're talking about, and you'll find a tremendous amount of information on it. Cool. But for me, I think CBD can't hurt, but you'd have to have it in the right dosages for it to really help. And then also the molecule is pretty big. Mm -hmm. So thinking that you're going to absorb it through your skin may or may not be true, depending upon the other things that it's with. So you really need to think through some of the marketing hype that's out there on CBD. And we're hearing actually a lot about CBN mm -hmm. and the other forms of yeah, the other you know, cannabinoids. The cannabinoids. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of the other cannabinoids can have much bigger effects on sleep. CBN is a big one. Um, I personally believe that THC is helpful for sleep. Now, the data out there shows that with large amounts of THC, it reduces REM sleep. So people are like, oh my gosh, well, I should never have THC because it reduces REM sleep. I'm going to challenge that idea and I'll tell mm. you why. Every single antidepressant on the market today almost completely knocks out REM sleep. Oh. Everyone. Zoloft, Prozac, Effexor, you name it. They all literally obliterate REM sleep. What? I know, right? And, and nobody talks about that yeah. as a side effect because nobody really cared about it because people would say, well, if you're depressed and this helps with depression, well, if you just don't get a little REM sleep, I guess that's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Well, the truth of the matter is, is, I mean, it could be a big deal, but historically we've now seen that people who have at least less REM sleep they're not functioning worse. So they're like zo walking zombies. Well, maybe, maybe not, though. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. If Zoloft, it, let's say you take Prozac yep. and it helps you with your depression and, and you don't get as near a good a quality of sleep, but you do get a decent amount of sleep, your body knows how to make up for some of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And your body adapts and you overcome and you have a situation that works. I would argue that the same holds true with using uh, cannabinoids, including THC. Now, to be fair, if you're, if you're, 95% of everything that you do has got a massive dose of THC in it. Well, then, of course, it's probably not going to do you a whole lot of good. But a little bit of THC, I would argue, is an accelerant and helps move the cannabinoids into the endocannabinoid system, which is this whole system you got in your body that's just for these cannabinoids to help it really affect that. All right. So from one ingredient to the next, we're going <laughs> to Mighty Night. Yeah. And Mighty Night is the new launch from Hum. Yep. They do have a sleep supplement. They do. They do. But this one is different mm -hmm. because it has CoQ10, right? right? Or Ubiquinol. Is that yes. the... So Ubiquinol is the trade name. It's CoQ10. But it yep. turns out that that's actually the best absorbing type of CoQ10. So the good news is, is Hum really did their, the, did their homework yep. and found one that absorbs quickly and effectively. But there are ingredients in here that you think are ideal because it's not, there's no melatonin in this. Correct. Mm -hmm. And also just to be clear, CoQ10 is actually a big help for hydration uh, for people in the middle of the night. Remember sleep by itself is a dehydrating process. Right. So whatever you do, whether you, whether you use this product or not, having ubiquinol or CoQ10 on board can actually be helpful. That's great. Okay. Love okay. that. So we have valerian root, there's yes. ferulic acid. Mm -hmm. There's ceramides for your skin, obviously. And hops. Um, and and hops, hops. Right. Which Sarah and I were both like we're when like, we hops. were. Yeah, yeah, we're like, ooh, we got hops in this. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about that. So hops is exactly what you think it is. It's the stuff we find in beer, right? But here's what's fascinating is there's a lot of data to show that if you combine valerian with hops, it's actually more effective. What is valerian root? than like Than valerian by itself okay. or than hops it, by itself it. or, to be honest with you, than a lot of other products that are out there. I see. Sorry. What, no, it's okay. Um, what is valerian root? I feel like I'm not familiar. So, 
familiar with so that. So it's actually a herbal root. It's harvested. It smells terrible. <laughs> um, it, it, like if you've ever tried valerian tea, like you have yeah. to hold your nose when you're Ooh. drinking it. Ooh. The good news is, is that in this particular product, there's they've been able to mask the smell. Totally. So you don't have to worry about that. And by the way, they don't do it with like all these crazy dyes and per- like they use all natural. And it's, I mean, it's a good company, like they get it. So uh, valerian is a root and it's an anxiolytic. So it actually lowers your anxiety before bed. Remember how we were talking like mm-hmm. what's between your ears is preventing you from sleeping. Valerian is arguably the most well-studied root of all of all of the herbs for sleep, and it really does help people. That's gr- I mean, so you've been taking it too, Sarah. Mm-hmm. I like it specifically for sleep. I have noticed it an actual mm-hmm. improvement, Me which too. is so nice. I need to take it a, a little bit longer to, to see, see the effects s- on the skin and absolutely. stuff like yeah, that. Absolutely, but they created it essentially to like help you get your best like beauty sleep. Yeah, Skin when wise. I take it, I don't wake up in the middle of the night. And I, when I wake up, I do feel rested. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like it was like the testimonial that these people were giving. Like, yeah. I don't feel drowsy and well, I feel rested. And here's what's nice is the formulation that's actually used in Mighty Night has actually been studied clinically. So um, they were smart. Again, they looked at a preparation that had been studied. And the, w- one of the studies actually showed it to be equally as effective as a sleeping pill. So again, when you're looking for a more natural route to take... And, and I would argue that pharmaceutically induced sleep and natural sleep are just two different animals. Mm. They're, they're both sleep. And if you can't get any sleep, then I'm, all, I'm a big fan of pharmaceuticals. If they're prescribed by your doctor, if it's, you've got a particular situation that is, requires it. But most people don't have to have a pill to help them sleep. Totally. Right? And so that's where we look at things like supplementation, like just getting people's magnesium levels up, getting their vitamin D levels up. All of those things will absolutely contribute to better sleep. Got it. Okay. Awesome. So well, I want to talk about the phone. Let's because talk about the phone. in your presentation, you said that it was okay to fall asleep to a TV. I did. Which a lot of people do. I'm like the only person in the yeah. universe that says that. But <laughs> you do not advise what I think many of us do. Falling asleep, looking at your phone. through your phone. Yes, yes, because of the blue light. Well, two reasons, actually. Because of the blue light, and uh, I have my own line, full disclosure, of blue light blocking glasses. So, so um, those help. They do. Uh, they help a lot. I actually developed them for my kids. So I have a oh. 17-year-old and a 16-year-old, and they're gamers. And quite honestly, I couldn't get them off the games. Totally. Like, I just couldn't. It was 11 o'clock at night. You know, it's a school night and they're finished with their homework and they want to play games or, you know, my daughter wants to watch The Bachelor or, you know, <laughs> my son is playing Fortnite or something crazy like that. And so what I did was I got, I created my own line of blue light blocking glasses. Number one, the science is super solid. I just didn't like what was out there. And if I'm going to be putting something on my children, I better like it. Totally. So I went and found the highest quality lenses. And that's definitely one of the things that I do. Um, which is helpful because you just can't get people to stop playing with their phones before bed. Um, I, I wish I could, but you know, television is more of a passive activity, yeah. right? So I'm lying there and the content is sort of washing over me. I'm listening, I'm watching, but the truth of the matter is I'm not watching. Right. My yeah. Eyes are right, right, right. You know, I'm, cause you're not actively engaging with the phone right in front of you, which exactly. is probably causing you stress and anxiety. <laughs> exactly. And it's causing what we call autonomic arousal, right. right? So we have two systems in our body, a parasympathetic, which is kind of the go to sleep, relax. And then the sympathetic, when you're getting information on Facebook or you're trying to get your high score on candy crush, I got news for you. Your parasympathetic system is not engaged at all. Mm. Your sympathetic system is highly engaged. So that's the thing you want to worry about is it's not just proximity in terms of the blue light, but mm-hmm. it's that level of engagement. And you sleep with your phone not next to you. I do not. Yes, that's correct. So my phone is actually, I keep it in my office downstairs. Let's be very clear and whether people <laughs> like it or not, look, there's very few people that are going to give you a call in the middle of the night that you need and phones leak radiation. Like, yep. They just do. So why would you plug it in? next to your head. Yeah. yeah. And, and if somebody out there is like, well, that's my alarm clock, I'm calling BS on that, right? You can go to Target and for less than 10 bucks, you can get an alarm clock that will wake you up anywhere Absolutely. you go. When you, yeah, when you said that, I was like, oh my God. I, it hasn't happened yet, but like, I know, I'm same. like, I told Patrick I'm buying an alarm clock that is yeah. in my phone. And he was like, yeah, right. So now I'm just going to find I made the mistake one. of telling Matt and he was like, so when are you going to put the phone in the other room? When are you going to do it? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I to, I'm, I'm going to. Um, so, so then when should we 
put our phone in the other room. I would argue about an hour before bed. Okay. So okay. I'm not, it's not like three hours before right. you need to put it away, but you got to give yourself a little runway to land that plane, right? So sleep is not an on off switch. It's more like slowly pulling your foot off the gas and slowly putting your foot on the brake, right? There's a process that we need to have happen. And so what I like to do is I like to chop up the hour before bed. So again, I go to bed at midnight. So starting at 11, I take 20 minutes for just stuff I got to do. So that's like finding kids sports equipment, you know, (laughs) getting stuff ready for the next day that it's going to save me a level of stress. And by the way, doing some of those things helps lower my stress before bed, which is also kind of nice, a little added benefit. 20 minutes for hygiene. So wash your face, brush your teeth. Um, In some instances for people who do have insomnia, I'm having them take a very hot shower or a hot bath. Because by increasing their core body temperature before bed, it causes a decrease in core body temperature, which is actually a signal to your brain to release melatonin. Mm. So it's kind of a little trick that we use for some of our insomniacs to heat their core body temperature up and then slow it down. To be clear, you want it passive heating. So you want a water or bath. You don't want to go out and exercise right, right before okay. bed. Because if you do that, then it's very diff- Then it takes longer for your core body temperature to drop. And you said with, if people have to exercise at night to take a cold shower. Exactly. Okay. So cool off your body in, as cool as you can get it. Because again, that's sort of what you want to do. And then 20 minutes for some form of meditation, relaxation, prayer, um, whatever gets you there. So if it's reading a book, read a book. If it's listening to the television with your eyes closed, listen to, I don't care. Yeah. I just want you to get there. Decompress. Exactly. Decompress. Now, to be fair, do I want you drinking a glass of wine doing this? No, I don't. Because we know alcohol, number one, makes you pee. And number two, while it makes you feel sleepy, it keeps you out of the deeper stages of sleep. So oftentimes I'm telling my friends, hey, if you had two glasses of wine, let's say with dinner, I'm fine with that. If you stop at eight and you go to bed at 10, that gives your body two hours, takes the average human body one hour to digest one alcoholic beverage. If you throw a glass of water in there, you're good to go. Yeah. That's great. And and you also, we're obviously talking about how dehydrated we get at night. Do you said to chug a glass of water in the morning? Absolutely. So I keep a bottle of just room temperature water on the bedside table next to me. Usually I don't require it in the middle of the night unless like I have a little post-nasal drip or I've got some allergies or something like that. But I grab that thing and I walk to the window and I get sunlight while drinking my water. Mm-hmm. Now, that there's two reasons that I do that. So number one is I want to get that direct sunlight because it turns off the melatonin and gets rid of that brain fog yeah. in the morning. And then drinking the water hydrates me immediately and, and gets my day off going. And I've actually, uh, you know, we, we're here in Southern California, right, in Los Angeles. And what's cool about it is um, now I've kind of started this new practice uh-huh. where what I do, so I have two dogs. Um, they are both in the bed with me, yes, and a cat. <gasps> Yes. And wow. a television. Yes, I'm aware. Um, we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. And um, what I do is um, I wake them up in the morning, and when I take them out, I actually uh, go out barefoot, and I stand on the earth. Oh, my God. Wait. I <laughs> have heard about doing this. My Aunt Brenda literally just talked. Is she it was your like, crazy Aunt Brenda? Or she's just not crazy. Rig- she's okay. actually brilliant. Fantastic. But she, when she told me this, I truly was like, this is some like middle America craziness. No, like, wait. Tell this? us more. Yeah. So, so. so to be fair, it's not like there's a tremendous amount of scientific data here. But here's what I can tell you is your body has an electrical charge to it. And the ground has a grounding mechanism to it because it's called the ground. Right. And if you stand outside in your bare feet and you just let your feet be on the earth less than a couple of minutes, you will absolutely positively find yourself feeling a little bit better. Also, it's getting colder so that cold air can help wake you up. And what I do is I do I have a particular breathing technique that I learned um, that helps me really engage and wake up and be super present in the morning. And so that's kind of how I do my mornings is I grab my water. I'm outside in the sunlight. I've got my feet on the earth and I'm breathing. And honestly, the whole thing takes me like less than 10 minutes to do. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like I've done something awesome for myself, which we don't all get a chance to do that in the mornings. Totally. Like we're all rushing around trying to get shit done. Yeah. And um, I, I feel like it's definitely helping me from a health perspective. It's a gr- it's like called grounding, right? Yes, like it's technically called grounding. it's called grounding. Exactly. And like people, they now make like socks to, to help. Absolutely. And it's because like we, 
we are always wearing, like you can't get it from just like wearing your shoes and walking outside. You like you, your feet you physically have to be on earth. the ground. Yeah. Feel Touching the earth <laughs> move under your feet. Exactly um, like the song. Exactly. Okay, so. Should we do a, the speed round? Yeah, let's, do, okay, so we have the oh, speed, speed round. round. Yeah, where we just wanted like, I know, yeah. this is going to be it's like, punch you on your toes. So we're going to say, do you believe in blank for better sleep? And we're going to go through a couple of different. And if you want to like, Talk a little bit about each one you can. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. First one, essential oils or diffusers? So I do. So there's actually at least two double-blind placebo-controlled uh, studies looking at aromatherapy for sleep. To be fair, you don't just sniff something and pass out, right? <laughs> Unless it's like ether or something like that, <laughs> right? Um, but what, what aromatherapy does is it causes a muscular relaxation response and then sort of allows the natural sleep process to take oh, over. That's why they, they give you the aromatherapy for a massage. Right. Yes. Exactly. Lavender. Lavender. Okay, what about weighted blankets? So I'm a fan. Um, so especially for people with anxiety, it's been very interesting. So what, originally the blankets were used in the autistic community. Mm-hmm. And what we discovered is, is that when we put them on these, uh, these children and young adults, that it calms them down almost instantly. And so for people with anxiety, they started trying them and they became very, very popular. Now, to be fair, there's a lot of kind of imitation, crappy weighted blankets out there. You really want to look for one that's about 12 pounds. Yeah. There was a, one study that showed that it should be 10% of your body weight. But to be honest with you, if you're 250 pounds, <laughs> I don't want a 25-pound blanket lying on top <laughs> oh of me. Oh, my God, no. Like, and a, during the summer, that's got to be hot. Like, yeah. that's not, I'm not down with that. <laughs> no. So 12 pounds is really the number of the weighted blanket that you should look for. Um, I actually received a weighted blanket same. from Sunday Riley. Five pounds, though. Oh, okay. That's maybe why. It's like a nap blanket. Yeah. But, yeah, exactly. But you know what? I heard that to use it properly, you have to fold it in half and start with it just on like your legs and then move it gradually up towards your neck. So I created a method and I've actually put it out on the internet oh, of how see. to use it. So you basically, at least with the 12 pound, you start with half. So half of it lays off the side of the bed and half of it is on your body. And then after two or three days, you rotate it so that it goes the whole long ways. Another thing that people need to be careful about with weighted blankets, if you have small pets, yeah. They would like to get underneath it and then they can't get back out oh. and they can suffocate. Yeah. So if you've got yeah, a weighted a blanket, do not leave it on your bed. Same holds true <laughs> with infants, right? So yep. just be careful, yeah. fold it up, put it someplace. And cats love these things. Right. So again, be careful with your fur babies. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sleep masks? So I'm a fan. I wear sleep masks, especially when I travel and definitely on airplanes. You know, light is the single greatest source of sleep disruption. And so having a really good sleep mask can definitely be helpful. If it's dark and you've got the blackout curtains, well, then you probably don't need one. But for some people, especially if you go to bed at one time and let's say your bed partner likes to stay up and read, there's nothing better than a sleep mask. What about sound machines? I'm a fan of those also. So anything that can avoid that level of disruption can be very, very helpful. I have some patients, honestly, they showed up at, you know, with insomnia. All they needed was a sound machine wow. to knock out either the snoring bed partner, the barking dog, or the noisy neighbors. Got it. Yeah, I definitely have a sound machine. Patrick bought for me. <laughs> he was um, like, I'm going to try like to help you. Yeah, yeah. He is. He's a great guy. <laughs> Listen, Kirby needs some help getting really good sleep. So Yes. I have been literally <laughs> complaining and like crying to Sarah about it. So we're like getting to She's good... thrown shoes on yes. her ceiling. My upstairs neighbors are crazy, Dr. Bruce. I've been oh, like no. literally throwing shoes yeah. at my ceiling to be like, shut let's up. Send them uh, an, uh, let's send them a link I'm going to gonna, like send them some of this and be yeah. like, please take this three hours yeah. before I get home. <laughs> well, you you kind of talked about this already, but light therapy. So light therapy is specifically, I, I have a tendency to use that for jet lag in particular. So I have a light box that I keep with me on all my international travel. And I use it to help reset my circadian clock. So one of the things I tell people about all the time, and again, full disclosure, I'm an, both an investor and a developer in an app called Time Shifter. Ooh. So if people go into the app store and you just uh, download Time Shifter, you can use the discount code, the sleep doctor, and doctors all spelled out. And we can put it in the show notes, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can get your first two jet lag plans for free. Okay. And this uses melatonin, caffeine, light, and napping in a particular order based on where you are and where you're going, and it will obliterate jet lag. It's unbelievable. I'm definitely looking into this. That's amazing. Okay. And then finally, sleep trackers. So let's talk about sleep trackers. None of them are great. I, you know, people ask me about them all the time. And do I use them? Sure. I have like three different ones and I'm constantly comparing them to each other. Here's the big problem. Sleep is a complicated metric, right? If you're looking at steps, 
that's really not that hard. You figure out somebody's gait, you look at their pace, you can figure out steps. Calories, uh, we've pretty much established that. But if I say to you, how well did you sleep last night? What do you say? Eh, yeah. Right. That there's no number in there. So then I say, okay, well, how, how would we create a metric? Is it how quickly you fall asleep? Is it how long you sleep? Mm-hmm. Is it the number of awakenings you have? Is it the amount of time you spend in each stage? I mean, this shit is complicated. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I think part of the reason that most of the trackers haven't quite figured it out is because we're not all really sure what to measure to right. identify sleep quality. There's a second problem with sleep trackers, which is who cares, <laughs> right? Like yeah, if fact. I get nine minutes of REM sleep, right. I don't think I give a shit because do I know if it matters? Like do other 51-year-old Caucasian males get that? Well, if they do, then I'm fine. Yeah. But if they don't, I'd like to know. Most uh, trackers don't give you a metric by which to, to right. measure yourself. That would be helpful. And then the third thing is, well, so what? How do you improve it? Mm-hmm. Right? There isn't a tracker in the universe that seems to be able to sit down and say to you, okay, you're low on REM sleep. These are the things that you need well, to see, do. And that's exactly yeah. the point. Like, that's what I don't get about sleep trackers. Like, okay, cool. You saw that I like moved eight times, right. but then what are you telling me to right. do? What's like, my solution? And here? also, exactly. you can't pinpoint, well, you moved eight times because of this. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like, I didn't put in, like, okay, I had caffeine right before bed. Right. And the accuracy, to be fair, is difficult. Right. Because sometimes you're laying on something. Sometimes it's a phone that's you right. know moving on your bed. Sometimes it's a ring. Right. I mean, there's a whole host of different types of trackers out there. Uh, to be fair, if you want to track your sleep, go ahead. But don't live and die by the numbers. Look for trends. Look for patterns. If you notice that every Thursday you get crappy sleep and you happen to go to trivia night at your favorite local bar and you have three you yeah. know glasses of wine while doing it. I got a news flash for you. That's what's causing your sleep right. problem, right? So like keep a diary like you suggested and, and like totally. look at your calendar. Yeah. yeah. Nobody like has that. to go out and buy an expensive tracker to figure out their sleep. Is it helpful? Can it be? Sure. Can it be a little bit more confusing? It can be. So you got to be a little careful. Cool. Well, Amazing. Now, we need to have you on again because we I'd haven't be even to. talked about dreams. Like oh so my many gosh. other things. Yeah, I have. I think we, yeah. I mean, we... I was going to post on Los Angeles's Instagram and be like, we have Dr. Bruce on. What questions do you have? But I'm like, you know what? No. These are going to be too hyper specific. And Kirby to and each I have person. enough questions between the two. <laughs> yeah. I was like, more, more bar yeah. questions. So well, you we'll have to have you back. What we could do is next time I come back, yeah. we could um, survey your audience before and get like the top five questions. Yes. yes. And then we'll answer lots of people's questions as well as yes. the two of Yes, amazing. It would be cool because we're going to set up a phone hotline, which... Perfect. Sarah's like, when's that happening? But we can have people call in (laughs) and we can actually play them and then you can answer. You know, you said that you have a good register for podcasts. So we we want you to come back as I'm sure people enjoyed hearing you. So Dr. Bruce, where can we find you? So I'm here at the Heston store. But other than that, um, I can not be found. Not permanently. Right, not permanently. I can be found at thesleepdoctor.com, and doctor is all spelled out. I also have all the social handles, so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just look for The Sleep Doctor. And then if you want to learn more what, about what your chronotype is, definitely check out chronoquiz.com. And uh, you do have to put in your email, but you'll get a big report back. We don't try to spam you with a whole bunch of stuff. It's just really more information. Also, I have a tremendous number of blogs. I have about 800 blogs on my website that answer every question you could ever imagine about sleep. That's amazing. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Bruce, for coming on our show. Of course. Kirby uh, and Sarah, you guys are awesome. Thank, thank you. you. Guys, if you loved this episode, please let us know. You can find us on social. You know all of our handles at this point. But also find us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us. Five stars. And let us know how much you love Dr. Bruce. And we will see you next week. Bye. Sweet dreams. <laughs>